Welcome to Plain Talk. Plain Talk has a new podcast every two weeks with up-to-date information about aviation technologies for general and business aviation. From home to cockpit to boardroom to personal tech, Plain Talk provides informative information for pilots, industry insiders, and aviation enthusiasts alike. My name is Phil Lightstone. I'm a general aviation pilot with over 1,900 hours in my logbook, flying almost every week with over 30 years experience in the technology and aviation industries. So we'd like to welcome Dan Schwinn, CEO of a really cool organization called Avidyne that um, is really a, 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 a disruptive organization in the avionics uh, industry. We'd like to welcome Dan to the Plane Talk cockpit. How are you, Dan? Doing great. Thanks for uh, having me. Oh, our pleasure. This is a wonderful event here at Oshkosh Air Venture 2022. For me, uh, due to that pesky little pandemic, having to miss a few. So I understand there's some really cool things happening happening at Avidyne. Yeah, that's right. We've been uh, continued to stay busy throughout the pandemic, working on some projects that we've talked about like our latest IFD version, which is just coming out right around now, and our new big display, the Vantage 12, which uh, we announced last year and should be completed this year for its initial certifications. We've also been working on our AI certification project, uh, the Pilot Eye, with our partner company, Dedalian. And then we have a few other things, especially with regard to advanced air mobility, where we're working with a number of different companies but we haven't announced anything and probably won't right away. So, Pilot Eye is a completely disruptive technology using neural networks and artificial intelligence to really improve drastically, one might argue, um, pilot safety. Yeah, that's right. The, the, what the Pilot Eye is, is a project to do is to create a certification methodology for neural network processing. Uh, right now, all the software and, you know, and hardware that goes into avionics, you have DO-178, which is the software certification methodology. And um, this concept doesn't work for artificial intelligence because the structure of the, of the software and especially the training uh, is totally different. So we've been working with our partner company, Dedalian, in Switzerland, to develop a methodology which will allow us to certify a neural network. Now, AI neural networks or convolutional neural networks have been around for a while and they've disrupted a number of other businesses. Probably the one that people are, one of the ones that people are most familiar with on a daily basis is the automatic driving systems in cars. Sure. So these are based on on neural networks, but there's a lot of other things like voice recognition, something like Siri or whatever. There's many things you can do with neural networks and especially some of the bigger companies like Google and Apple are making these huge investments in. And that's all well and good and it's not usable in airplanes because it's not certifiable. There's no way to prove what the behavior of this system is. So our first system, the Pilot Eye, will be uh, a traffic, a visual traffic detection system, meaning it uses 
visual spectrum cameras to look around the airplane and find traffic, just like you would do with your eyes. Wow. It has the ability to look in almost 270 degrees, and it never gets tired or sleepy or look is distracted. So it's going to be a significant advantage. Um, and once that is certified and in place, and I think it'll be a successful product, but I think you'll see a large follow-on from us and probably others as AI comes to certified safety critical functions in aviation. And then with future integration into autopilots to facilitate when the pilot you know, doesn't react to the pilot eye notification that the aircraft will go into a semi-autonomous mode to ensure that something bad doesn't happen? Well, certainly something like the pilot eye is required for autonomous operation in the manned airspace. So there's a lot of interest in it from that perspective, not from the traditional folks. But as you say, you know, there's other things that can do to help you. And, you know, we're doing it as an advisory system first. At some point, it may be an active system like, uh, you know, where it, it does have control of the flight controls. We have actually already demonstrated the ability of a different version of the system to find and track a runway and provide a uh, course deviation indication and for us to couple that to an autopilot and basically have a fly a visual approach to a runway coupled automatically. So those are the kinds of things that we see happening in the future. Wow. And I, I understand that you're doing something completely revolutionary and unique, a single submission collaborating with our regulators in the FAA and uh, the ESA folks. So this is a this was a really interesting part of our partnership with the Dalian. They are in uh, Europe, in Switzerland, and they've been working closely with the ASA on their methodology for uh, certification of a neural network. Obviously, Avidine has been in the U.S. We have done EASA validations and all around the world, but our principal certification authority and the first one we always certify things with is the FAA. So as we thought about as two companies, you know, what are some of the key outcomes? You know, clearly one of them was we didn't want the FAA and EASA to end up with two completely different ways they thought you ought to certify a neural network. We approached both authorities with the idea of taking what is normally a sequential process, which is the FAA certifies something and then the EASA validates it, and try and do that concurrently. And they were... Uh, they were open to it, and they provided the support. We opened up a project with Boston in December, last December, uh, that is our SCC program for the Pilot Eye. And EASA opened up a validation program shortly thereafter, and they assigned resources to it. And now we're in the thick of it. But, uh, you know, I'm not aware of... of the, people have done simultaneous certifications where they apply to two authorities separately, and they work through the issues separately. But I'm not aware of somebody else concurrently focusing on one path to certification, but it's really important in this case. And that's, a, I think, a, a very cool change to help shorten the uh, regulatory STC and TSO uh, approval process, get the products utilized faster. That's true, and one of the things that we've seen that was, an, uh, I guess, an unexpected benefit of this was that EASA and FAA have different strengths with regard to this project, and we are getting the benefit of both of their different strengths, uh, which I think is great. 
and I think that they think it's great, too. Was there any commentary back from the FAA as to why they're engaged into this interesting project? Well, I think that a lot of companies are talking to both authorities about doing something with AI. And I know for a fact that there's a number of airframers and advanced air mobility guys who have put some sensors on an airplane and they're running a neural network and they see great promise for it. But they're not really hardcore on how the heck do we certify this stuff. So I think that one of the reasons we've gotten attention from FAA and EASA is because they, we are not the only applicant that is interested in doing something like that. But they think that we are a good one to use to kind of set the, uh, you know, the baseline. So essentially groundbreaking. Yeah, really. I mean, and Avidine's done this in the past where we're the first ones to certify something, although this is really a very novel technology. But, uh, you know, the authorities are not doing this because we're the only ones who have any interest in it. They're doing sure. it because companies large and small and established and novel really want to incorporate neural networks into their whatever their aircraft is. So tipping the hat to the, the ground, my groundbreaking uh, comment, I uh, understand that uh, Avidyne's been in growth mode and you've been, uh, you've uh, expanded into two new facilities. We have expanded, uh, we've done two facility upgrades in the last, uh, in the last year and a half or so. We built a new hangar at our main location in Melbourne, Florida. Um, we built a 10,000 square foot hangar with a couple thousand square feet of, of office that we're doing our flight test and certification. And then just in the last few months, we got kind of tight on space in our main facility and we got, gained an additional location that's just very nearby um, that gave us another 10,000 feet for expansion. And, and a lot of our expansion is being driven by uh, new product development and integration with new customers. So we've, we've had a lot of engineering hiring that's been going on. And we have a lot more to do to, to, to uh, do the things we're trying to do. And it must be pretty tough for uh, your avionics shop implementation partners as we've seen this huge challenge with, uh, with people in addition to products that would integrate or be used to facilitate an Avidyne end-to-end implementation in, in an aircraft. That's, that's right. It's been a huge challenge for some of our, our dealers and MROs to you know, retain fine talent. And you know, there are, the airlines reduced their staffs, and now as they ramp back up, they're, they're, they're you know, looking for skilled technicians in avionics and a lot of other things. And that is having an impact on our installing dealers. You know, we're certainly looking forward to a re-equalization in, you know, the, uh, in the supply of, of techs in our, in our market. I think it'll be beneficial for the industry. You know, I did an article on uh, Canadian ADSB, and in chatting with some of the, the, uh, the dealers uh, in the greater Toronto area, it was interesting comments that supply... Uh, chain for Avidyne technologies wasn't horribly long as, as with other um, avionics uh, manufacturers. Uh, how were you able to kind of deal with all the COVID-related supply chain issues? 
As the supply chain issues got worse and worse, especially during uh, late 2020 and into 2021, we really made a commitment to make sure that we maintain product availability for our dealers and, of course, our end customers. And so we had to spend quite a bit of money um, acquiring components and, and, and building inventory to deal with unforeseen either component shortages or, you know, we had issues in the worst of COVID with, you know, having to having people need to stay home because of COVID or, you know, there was all these kinds of things. So the way for us to deal with that was to build up a supply of components and finished goods. And we did that. And so far, fingers crossed, we've made it through this pandemic and not had any uh, component shortages of the things that we make. Uh, it uh, seems to me you had a really solid crystal ball. I don't know if I'd say that. I would say that we made a strategic decision to maintain product availability, and we knew it was going to be expensive, and we executed on it, and it worked, and it was expensive, and you know, so we accomplished what we set out to accomplish. But I don't know that we you know, had a crystal ball about anything. We just you know, said, this is what we want to do. Some of it actually was driven by our suppliers who would you know we would order we would have things on orders for months and months in advance and then one day they'd say sorry don't have it and i think we said we're not gonna we're not gonna be that supplier to our customers and so that's what we set out to do and i managed to do it well it must have been a really tough two and a half years well certainly from the perspective of supply chain and COVID, it's been a tough couple of years but there's other elements of it where it's been really good you know our business aviation initiative is really moving along We've had a lot of really good interactions with advanced air mobility players and i think we're going to be working on some really really interesting projects the vantage project is coming along very well that's going to be fun it's going to be a whole product line of things so we've had some challenges but we've also been able to work on some really interesting things over the last couple of years awesome just to wrap it up dan what's on the horizon at uh, avidine well, certainly you can expect to see us continuing to push on our our big display products with more and more uh, different options there. We're continuing to invest in the IFD series, and I think you'll be seeing some more things there. And I certainly think over time there might be a time when some of the various advanced air mobility players will start to talk about some of the relationships that we have with them. And then, of course, I'm hopeful that within a year or so, we will actually accomplish the first ever convolutional neural network certification for a safety critical product, which will open up a whole wide range of interesting things. So uh, we certainly are looking forward to the next uh, couple of years. Going to be a busy decade. Yes, indeed. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being part of uh, the Plain Talk cockpit. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Plain Talk. If you have any ideas for a future Plain Talk episode, please go to the Contact Us page at plaintalk.ca and send in your idea. Don't forget to like us at plaintalk.ca, our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, and this podcast. And never stop living the dream.